building entirely crushed and crumbled. I'm not sure if it's safe to report from my vantage point. I, I really need to leave. So the fences inform me that the surrounding areas are, are in ruin. I, I see some people running now. In the opinion of this reporter, if this nation, or in fact the world, ever needed heroes, that time is now. That time is now. exciting episode of Aquaman and Firestorm, the Fire and Water Podcast, a proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm one of your hosts, the Irredeemable Shag, and along with me, as always, is my super friend, Rob Kelly. How you doing, buddy? Hi, Shag. Welcome. Never mind. That's a terrible dark side I just tried to do. You could do it a lot better than me. Hello, Rob. Welcome to the Fire and Water <laughs> Podcast. That's perfect. It's fantastic. You do now a great job on that. My throat's going to be sore the whole rest of the episode. <laughs> I, I don't know how Frank Welker does it. Oh, my God. And then he would turn right around and do Calabac at the same time. Maybe. And they sound completely different. It's crazy. Well, uh, obviously, we're showing our hand real early here, folks. We are going to cover a Super Friends episode featuring Darkseid, but not just any Super Friends episode. We're going to cover The Bride of Darkseid, which was the first appearance of who, Rob? Firestorm, the nuclear man. Woohoo! It was also the first appearance of Darkseid, by the way, in Super Friends as well, which matters. But, yes, we're here to talk about it because it's got our favorite match head, folks. But before we get too far into that, we should take a second to thank our sponsor. Folks, this episode of the Fire & Water Podcast is sponsored in part by InStockTrades.com. InStockTrades is your best online source for trades, hardcovers, and other collected editions, all for up to 42% off with free shipping for orders of $50 or more. What you got, buddy? Well, uh, since uh, this episode, uh, except we, it's titled The Bride of Darkseid, and in this case, the bride is supposedly Wonder Woman. What? Uh, I, picked a, <laughs> uh, I picked a Wonder Woman comic, uh, namely Wonder Woman, the Newspaper Dailies Hardcover, Volume 1, which collects the Wonder Woman newspaper strip. A lot of people probably don't even know that there was a Wonder Woman newspaper strip. And I didn't. Not only that, it was done by, by William Moulton Marston and Harry G. Peter, the same guys that did her comic book. I don't know where the hell they had the time to do that but they did because they're doing the comic and the newspaper strip which as far as i understand is pretty much a full-time job but anyway uh yeah really this book collects uh the first year worth of strips from 1944 to 1945 it features a really wonderful cover by peter poplaski we can see it she's got the uh she's shooting uh, using her uh, bracelets to knock off the bullets and we see the little insets it looks fantastic i love all these old-timey newspaper collections Uh, this is from idw they do a great job on these things it's 196 pages Normal price is forty nine ninety nine. 
in stock trades price is $34.99. That is 30% off. Again, if you have ever seen the newspaper collections that IDW does, whether it's Dick Tracy or Peanuts or Superman or Batman, you know how handsome these are. And so I would love to read these because I have never read a single Wonder Woman newspaper strip. Hmm. I didn't even know they just, you know, I want to say maybe I heard Diablo Frank talk about it one time, but uh, wow, that sounds really, really cool. Yeah. I, I, re- I picked up the Star Trek newspaper strips one not too long ago and really enjoyed the heck out of that. So reading these newspaper strip collections, a lot of fun. Yeah, the books are oblong, too, so it's like they're actually in the format of the strip. They don't, they don't try to compress them, which is really very, very – it's very anti-commercial, but it's a very nice format because you can actually read the, the, you know, the strips and see the artwork the way it was meant to be, meant to be seen. It kind of like in a big format. It's not squeezed into a tiny little page. That's cool. All right. Well, I picked something probably a little more on the nose for what we're covering today. I picked Superpowers by Jack Kirby Trade Paperback. This collects the first two Superpowers miniseries from 1984 and 1985. Uh, first one was five issues, next one six issues, drawn by Jack Kirby, and these were done to tie in with the toy line and also to tie in with the episodes of the cartoon that we're going to be talking about. It is bombastic superhero action. Admittedly, the first miniseries isn't my favorite, but the second miniseries is totally beloved by me. I love it so much. It's one of the first sort of steps. I like. I was reading Crisis the same time I was reading Superpowers Two, the miniseries. I want to say, it, assuming they're published parallel and i think they were i was reading both of them because i remember reading i'd read crisis and i'd see you know dr fates from earth 2 right and firestorms from earth 1 and all that jazz and then i'd go read superpowers and there's dr fate fighting side by side with firestorm and i'm like i don't understand (laughs) my little list i wrote down of all the earths that doesn't match what i mean where else do you get to see jack kirby drawing superman and flash and dr fate and firestorm and all these great characters it's so much fun so you can get this thing it is um it uh, doesn't get the page count. Oh, shoot. It's giant, guys. It, it, it's, uh, what is this, 11 comic books. Again, art by Jack Kirby with various other folks. Uh, full color. Normally retails for $39.99. Right now on in-stock trades, it's $23.19. 42% off. I don't think you'll be disappointed, especially if you have even the slightest bit of love for Jack Kirby or the Superpowers era. You should definitely check it out. Superpowers by Jack Kirby Trade Paperback. So for these and all of your collected edition needs, please visit InStockTrades.com. Go up to the content us button and let them know that the fire and water podcast sent you so yes we are going to talk about super friends legendary superpower show now rob do you remember why uh like the name change here well it was to do, it was done as a tie into the toy line because but when they the last iteration of super friends it was before the toy line so now when they worked on this they realized they had a you know a, the the rules in terms of how closely animated series for children could be basically giant toy commercials had been relaxed in the the 1980s and the 70s. They were a lot more strict about that stuff. But in the 80s, it was just like, oh, you know, paint the town red, boy. So uh, it was okay to kind of really do these cross-promotional things. So I guess uh, Hanna-Barbera just figured, well, we have the Super Friends. There's a toy line. So now we can rechristen it. We can give it this incredibly long name. Uh, which you see on the the title card, which is like a thousand words for God's sakes. But but yeah, that's yeah. And of course, it it leans on characters that would end up being part of the toy line. Yep. And, and so this season is this is I don't want to call it transitional season, but they were obviously trying to shift from Super Friends to Superpowers. So this season is called Super Friends Legendary Superpower Show. Next season, the Super Friends name is gone. It's actually called Superpowers Galactic Guardians. 
Uh, again, with the long title, I don't know what, why they're hung up on that. But uh, this season they introduced Firestorm and they introduced Darkseid as the reoccurring villain. Next season they'll add Cyborg to the mix. But at this point, it was um, I was reading up on it, like, like other people's interpretations. A lot of people feel like this is kind of like leaning back towards the challenge of the Super Friends uh, because they w- they would have you know a consistent series of villains, people that came from the comic books. You know, and and I hadn't thought of it that way before. But yeah, there may have been some thought to that. Going, you know, Challenge of Super Friends is very popular for us. What can we do to recreate that? Yeah, I mean, and they, I mean, it's got characters right out of the comics. I mean, Duck said Firestorm. I mean, the uh, the introduction they give Firestorm. First of all, I can't believe we haven't covered this yet in the <laughs> seven years we've been doing the show. Because this is your introduction to the character, right? Didn't yeah, you I'm going to talk, talk about, about that, that in a okay, bit. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, it's funny. You say you can't believe we've done this. I feel the same way. It's like part of me feels like certainly we must have at some point, right? Uh, But I did a search. I looked all through our RSS feed and I did a a search, everything I could look on. I don't think we've covered it. To say that, though, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody at home goes, well, actually, on episode seven, you and I'm like, okay, sure. We talked about it before. That's fine. It's been eight years. We can do it again. (laughs) (laughs) I have no memory of that. I mean, we said we've covered other episodes of various iterations of the show, but I, I said I can't remember doing this one. So uh, I do want to mention, we mentioned Frank Welker earlier. Frank Welker, the amazing Frank Welker. Uh, another new voice talent to the Super Friends at this point was some guy named uh, Rene Abajanois, uh, who did Desaad, and you may remember him. He's that guy who was in Benson. Uh, so, and I don't think he ever did anything else, did he? Yes, of course. Yeah, he has no other credits related to geek-related things that might even be the subject of a show on this very network. <laughs> Multiple shows, really, because I mean, he keeps showing up in uh, DC comic stuff and Justice League. And oh, that's he's true. Ever... I didn't even think about that. You're right. Oh yeah, he's he's touched everything that we love, pretty much. <laughs> so um, we're gonna get. So again, we're covering the Bride of Dark Side. It's actually parts one and two. Even though, as far as I can tell, one site indicated that half of it aired one Saturday, the other one, and then the other half aired the next Saturday. I don't think that's the case. No, I think that it can't aired... be right because yeah. the only halves are only fifteen minutes. So exactly. What did they exactly. Do? Yeah. Had to have aired uh, all in the same day. But uh, it's written by Jeff Siegel and Alan Burnett. Now, if that last name sounds familiar, Alan Burnett, it should. Because uh, this is, believe it or not, this episode, Bride of Darkseid, is his very first association with DC animated features. And yet, virtually every single DC animated series since he's been involved with, even as up to as recently as Justice League Action just last year. Uh, he's all over DC Animation and has been uh, for decades now. And this is uh, where he started, which is awesome. Hmm. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Um, then I knew his name because I've seen it a bunch over the years, all over the place. So, But since we're going to be talking about Firestorm, a couple things we have to mention are some of the voice actors. So Professor Stein is – do you know who voiced Professor Stein? Uh, Olan Sewell, who of course played Batman in all the previous iterations of Super Friends, but here, of course, we have a new Batman as well. Uh, who's the new Batman? That would be the old Batman, Adam West. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly right. It's exactly right. I personally, I kind of like Olan Sewell as Professor Stein. To me, he is the voice of Professor Stein. I I think I like him better as Stein than Batman, but I did notice today when I was rewatching the episode, I was making some notes, and Stein said something, and I actually confused it for Batman for a moment, <laughs> just because I'm so used to that voice. I don't know. What's your feeling on this? Do you fall on the Adam West side of the, of the voice acting or the, Adam, or the Olin Soul? I, I mean, look, I think Olin Soul does a great job as Martin Stein, but to me, Olin Soul will always be Batman. Really? Uh, I've, just, this, I've seen so many episodes of, of Super Friends with that voice coming out of that face that I, you know, I mean, Adam West, of course, is Adam West, but it, it, to me, it's all on soul as Batman. Okay, fair enough. And uh, also worth mentioning that in this episode, we got a new Wonder Woman as well. After 10 years, uh, Sharon, Shannon Farnan was replaced with Connie Caulfield 
And then uh, next season she'll be replaced again with, I think it's, uh, oh, Zoom's going to be mad at me. You know, uh, it's BJ Ward, I think's her name, in the, in the following season. So, yeah, a big change with Wonder Woman as well. Now, Ronnie Raymond, voice acting. This is fun. I don't know how much you've looked into this or not. The actor is named Mark L. Taylor, and he does the voice of Ronnie Raymond on this season and the next. Are you aware of anything else he's done? No, that's all I know is that that is his name. Okay. I didn't know either. I, I looked him up. And I've looked this guy up several times, but I guess I just never looked close enough on his IMDb. He has done, like, everything I've ever loved. He was in Chips. He was in Moonlighting and Tailspin and Pup Named Scooby-Doo and West Wing. I mean, the guy's still acting today. Uh, to get into some more deeply things, and you're going to go, what? In a minute here. He was in uh, Ruby Spears' 1988 Superman animated series. He played Jimmy Olsen in that, so he had a pretty big reoccurring role. He was in V, The Final Battle, <laughs> which is one of my favorite things on earth I, I saw the photo of him and I'm like oh my god that's him he plays Dr. Fred King I think when I saw the picture I'd have to look back I think he's in one of the raids they do and I think he just goes by Fred but when I saw him I'm like oh my gosh I think he's a friend of Juliet's anyway here's the one here's the oh my goodness moment he's in MASH Rob it, uh, okay. In, 19, in 1979 he was in an episode called Cave okay with the asterisk C-A-V-E, right. where they, I guess they have to relocate to a cave. Yeah, the bombs attack. are falling, and they, right, so they have yep. to, they, they haul up for safety in a cave. I don't know, I don't think he had a major role. He played a character named O'Malley, and I don't think that's the one that got the blood transfusion or anything. I think he was more of a minor role, but he's in MASH, too. That's a so. mi- Oh, you know what? Now I know who we're talking about. I can immediately really? hear the voice in my head. There, there's a soldier in the beginning who, because um, BJ literally calls him O'Malley. He says, well, you, you know everything, O'Malley. Is there anything you don't know how? And he's like, yeah, how to duck. That's that, that's <laughs> that guy. That was oh, – wow, that's Firestorm because he, he's the one who – he proposes how to uh, – he has a broken leg and he suggests how to rig something so they can transport him. Oh, oh my god! Cool. Look, that's amazing. That that's the guy. That's the same guy. Now, sadly, Ryan, he does not appear in Cheers. I checked and I checked and I rechecked, <laughs> but I, I figured he had to, right? He's been, literally this guy's list of credits just goes on forever. And uh, a, a site that I was familiar with years ago when I was doing the Firestorm fan blog, which I've done a few posts on, by the way, in the last few months. Not many people have noticed, but um, <clears throat> uh, Mr. Taylor was interviewed. About the Firestorm role, and he was – I'm not going to point you to the article because it's not worth your time. It, he was very nice, and he was very uh, kind to do this, but clearly through his answers, he didn't really remember any of this. It didn't really have any impact on him. He basically said you know, he enjoyed doing the job. He was very – he wasn't mean or anything, but it was just like he wasn't aware of Firestorm going into it. He wasn't aware of Firestorm after it. No one has ever asked him about Firestorm before this guy, <laughs> and no, he has no interest in doing conventions. And again, he was very nice, and he was very gracious. But it was just kind of like, dude, it was a job. You know, it's kind of how I read it to be. So, I guess anyway. if, if you have so many credits, you know, they all just blend together. And especially if you're not a comic book person, they're like, you're going to play Firestorm. You're like, what, what is that? I don't even know what that is. I mean, if, at least if you're like, you're going to play Batman. You're like, all right, I know what that is. But Firestorm, <laughs> that's just, what does that mean? I think he did say something nice about he was really kind of starstruck by working with, you know, like Adam West and Casey Kasem and stuff like that. Sure, I would think but, so. Uh, sure. But other than that, it's just kind of like, you know, it's a job. Well, um, I was going to get into the episode. Do you have any more behind-the-scenes kind of stuff to talk about? Uh, not particularly. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about it when we get to the credits. I mean, that you do notice there is some subtle animation changes, I would say, in terms of the style. But we can talk about that once we actually get into the episode. Well, I, well okay. That's fine. No problem. Um, the episode, again, is called The Bride of Darkseid, and it aired on – uh, and this is where I guess I will step out for a second. It aired on September 8th, 1984 at 8 a.m., 
Eastern Time. Remember that, folks. That's an important red-letter date. Mark it in your calendar. September 8th, 1984 at 8 a.m. That is the moment, the hour, that changed little Shaggy Matthews' life forever. Because that is the first time I ever paid attention to Firestorm. I had seen him on the stands at the convenience store. Never bothered to pick up those comics. I watched this cartoon 30 minutes of my life. And it would never be the same. I, it, it, I don't want to say it. it was 8.30 when I jumped on my bike, but it was later that morning I jumped on my bike, pedaled my way up to the, the convenience store called the Sing Store, and I bought Firestorm number 28 and Firestorm number 30, which Firestorm number 28 with patron saint of the Fire Network, Fire and Water Podcast Network. Rob, who is it? Uh, what, what issue number is it? 30? 28, number 28, the patron saint, which, which he fought the patron saint. Oh, of, the oh, of course, Slipknot. Exactly right. So I read issue 28 and 30, and I've been a fire, lifelong Firestorm fan ever since. All started there, September 8th, 1984, at 8 a.m. Yes, there will be a quiz on that, folks, because I've said it three times. So, All right. Uh, I watched this. By the way, I don't know how you watch it. I watched it on the DC Universe app, you know, the subscription app that, that I've been paying far too much for every month. Um, I, I watched it through there. How'd you watch it? Uh, the there uh, this episode is on Daily Motion actually I don't know oh, I don't know okay. how it is but it is so I, okay. that's where I watched it. So there you go, folks. There's two places where you can watch this episode. Now, we're not going to do a commentary or anything here. No. I will do a brief recap, and then we'll just discuss some interesting things in the episode, some ridiculous things in the episode, and just fun there. One of the things that this version, I don't know if yours recording included it, this one included the opening teaser, which I love. I don't remember them doing this in previous seasons, where it starts with Superman here, folks. And he's like, you're coming up, an exciting episode of the Super Friends. And they show, like, little teasing images from this episode. Did yours have that? No, that doesn't ha- mine doesn't have that. That was weird. I loved those. I, I remember those watching, and I remember seeing those during this season and the next season. I remember one of them had El Dorado doing something because I always love El Dorado. So me too, yeah. So we get into the new opening credits, and one of the things I love about the new opening credits is they tell a story. None of the opening credits before this really told like a story from beginning to end. And here it's basically Dark Side and Calabac getting their ass beat is what the story is. But uh, it, your boy Aquaman shows up on a seahorse. That's it. <laughs> for the whole season, That's actually. It. It's literally his only appearance in this entire season is in the opening credits. At least he's in every episode then. <laughs> okay, sure. Uh, you also get a little bit jazzier theme song, which I kind of dig. I dig the opening theme. It's jazzed up a little bit. I think I used it in um, our Hero Points theme at one point, too. But I, I, I think it's fun. I don't know. Do you like the opening credits, or, they like, or do you miss the classic stuff? No, I like this. I, I, like I said, everybody's a little more muscular, like a little, okay. everybody's a little beefier. Um, they're also a little cartoonier. Uh, this thing, I mean, you could not ask for a better introduction to a character than Firestorm. I mean, he literally gets his own title card in this show. I mean, all the other heroes, I mean, you see Superman, he, he's the first one we see. And then a bunch of the characters land. We see Green Lantern and Patchy Chief and Batman and Robin and Green Lantern. And then everyone is like, <gasps> And they're looking up, and then, <laughs> then Firestorm flows back. And then he gets his own introducing Firestorm. I mean, they were leading into him pretty heavily. It's kind of amazing, really. It, it's over the top, actually. I mean, and, I, and as a Firestorm fan, even I'm saying, that was way too much. But I'll take it. For a whole season, you know, for 16 episodes or whatever it is, yeah, Firestorm's name is in the opening credits. And he's the hero who saves everything. Oh, it's so glorious. I love it. <laughs> I love the giant robot that they fight with the yes. like, scalloped ears. 
Uh, it just looks it's a really great design. It looks a little Darth Vader-y and stuff like that. I just think it's it's terrific. It's a very exciting opening because it gives you some sense of like Firestorm's powers and stuff like that. And then we get to see again El Dorado is there. The Wonder Twins are there, even though they don't participate in this season at all. We see uh, I love what Petra Chief just punches the robot, knocks him knocks him all the way into the water. Then Aquaman shows up and again for his. 30 seconds, not even 30 seconds, five seconds of fame. He pushes the <laughs> robot back out of the water, and then Superman picks him up, and then we get the group shot of the villains. Yep. Uh, Darkseid, Desaad, Calabac, and Luthor and Brainiac. Which is interesting, because that's not the version of Brainiac we'll actually see this season. Hmm. Very strange. We see the robot version. So and there they're showing us the green version from Challenge of the Super Friends. Hmm. But yeah, and then, and then Firestorm creates the scoop, and scoops all the heroes, and flings them into a Stargate, and Darkseid shakes it, literally stops and shakes his fist. I love Arr! that. I love how mad he is. You meddling super friends. <laughs> so much fun. All right. Well, I've written a short recap here, so I'll go through it. It covers both episodes. <clears throat> here we go, friend, folks. The You know what I'm going to call you guys friends, not folks today. So the super friends are amazed at the sudden appearance of Firestorm, a new superhero who is taking the country by storm. Black Vulcan, Superman, and Wonder Woman are each outshone by Firestorm as he beats each of them in stopping a different emergency. Then the great and powerful Darkseid, ruler of Apocalypse, comes to Earth. His plan is to cause a dormant volcano to erupt, drawing the Super Friends so that Darkseid may capture Wonder Woman. Firestorm arrives, rescuing the Super Friends and foiling Darkseid's plan. After then revealing his secret identity, the Super Friends invite Firestorm to join their team, which he's ecstatic about. Later, Firestorm makes a totally bonehead move when trying to hit on Wonder Woman. She is not amused, and Firestorm, in his shame, accidentally turns off the Hall of Justice force field. This allows allows Darkseid to use his Stargate, or as you guys at home might know it, a boom tube, to enter the Hall of Justice and kidnap Wonder Woman. So that's the end of part one. Part two goes into, on Apocalypse, Darkseid and Desaad are using the Mind Probe to alter Wonder Woman's brain and behavior. Darkseid now plans to make her his bride. The Supermans, the Supermans, the Super Friends, covertly arrive on Apocalypse and sneak into Darkseid's palace. After defeating just a couple of guards, yeah, we're going to come back to that. Uh, the Super Friends find Wonder Woman's holding cell. Using Superman's Bronze Age ridiculous cape to deflect the force field, the heroes free Wonder Woman. She guides them through the palace, but it's a trap. Wonder Woman is under the influence of Darkseid, and the Super Friends are trapped by the Mind Probe. Thanks to Firestorm's added mental capacity, he resists the Mind Probe and destroys it. Superman holds off Darkseid while Batman frees Wonder Woman from um, Darkseid's control, and then Wonder Woman helps them escape by using the Stargate to teleport them back to the Hall of Justice, where they are greeted by the completely useless Black Vulcan. And in the end, Firestorm gets a kiss on the cheek from Wonder Woman for saving the Super Friends from the Mind Probe. Woof! Now, that's a, believe it or not, it sounds lengthy, but there was so much packed into this episode, there's a ton of stuff I skipped. Uh, so, but, what'd you think of this one, buddy? Well, this is, I, this is a lot of fun. Um, the, the main thing I think about when I, when I watched this was, I'd have to go back and re- rewatch all the Super Friends episodes just before this. But as far as I can tell, I think this is the very first episode ever of the series that features any real characterization. You know what <laughs> I mean? We're like, because to, okay. to this point, 
all the characters are just very straight ahead. Let's do this. Let's stop Luthor. Let's here. Firestorm is like, Hey babe, like he's actually acting <laughs> like a person. And it's sort of a funny, I mean, you know, I guess in this day and age, you're like, well, he's really being a pig kind of, I mean, Wonder Woman isn't taking him seriously even remotely, but this is really the first time any of these superheroes express an opinion, a like a dislike. I mean, this is really kind of a big moment because Not, they're, they're they're showing some sort of personality that has anything to do that doesn't have any, everything to do with the plot interesting okay the, the only episode i was thinking that maybe was the one where the uh legion of doom alter their origins and take over for them but even that i guess you're right that's probably all plot driven really yeah. discussion hmm. yeah this and, is now, Go ahead. Oh, I'm just saying, like, you know, it's kind of like how, how they said that the DC comics were affected by Stan Lee and Marvel, the way he wrote, is that for virtually every line of dialogue in DC comics before, I would say, the Marvel Age of Heroes, was it's interchangeable. Everybody just sounds the same. You could say that about yeah. the Super Friends. But, Fire, the, you know, the, the lines of dialogue of Firestorm going, hey, babe, would not work coming out of any other <laughs> character. So it's distinctive in that way. Now, to be def- all right. Now I'm going to get defense here. To be honest, Firestorm he made a huge mistake hitting on Wonder Woman. Yes, but he wasn't a pig. All he said was, "You know, Wonder Woman, you're prettier in person." Basically, is what he said. He didn't. He didn't make. I don't think he called her "Hey, babe." At any I know. Point. I'm exaggerating. A so, little yes, bit. he. She's he was just not trying a- to work. She's just trying to get her job done. Come on. It all he said was you're much prettier in person, and she did not. She she clearly, you know, she rebuffed his approach, and that was it. He didn't make another pass at her. So I think it was I think it was appropriate. It was a workplace, you know, flirting that failed miserably, and he stopped. <laughs> and I think that's okay. There was okay. no, you know, he wasn't belligerent or anything. So anyway, yeah, what a total bonehead. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so uh, my notes kind of go. Uh, through the episode, so I'm just going to kind of hit those, and you jump in at any point here. So uh, Black Vulcan was so wasted in this episode. It was almost embarrassing they even put him in here. In the very beginning, he's chasing a getaway car where these guys have stolen some money, right? He can't even catch up with a car. (laughs) He is made of lightning that travels pretty much the speed of light or at least the speed of electricity, and he can't catch a freaking car. That just that is totally plot driven, so that Firestorm can swoop in and save the day. That's ridiculous. I'm going to suggest if you rob a bank, you maybe shouldn't drive into the middle of the Mojave Desert to get away. I think it's probably kind of easier for them to find you at that point. But what do I know? I've never robbed a bank, and I wouldn't drive through the desert in a convertible with the top down. There's that too. Yeah, I'd, right. I'd, I'd have the AC going. <laughs> And then later on at the very end, when Black Vulcan's sitting there, he does nothing. He show, he's waiting for them at the Hall of Justice. And he, they, the illustration has this weird pose with him, like his hand on his face. And it's yeah, they be, use that a couple times. Yeah, it's supposed to be like a casual, like you're leaning on your face and your chin. But, it, but it's it just very looks, weird. <laughs> fingers are all gnarled. It's just like so <laughs> weird. Uh, there's some fun transmutation in this one. Uh, I'm not going to mention all because there's actually a lot. I mean, they really did a great job. Inter- I think they did uh, introducing Firestorm. They re- they made it very clear what he could do. They they first they fed you his powers, then they fed you who he was independently, which I thought was pretty cool. So the transmutation, he turns a car into a bathtub. He turns the the, the Daily Planet right. The building gets struck by lightning. It takes one bolt of lightning, and the the giant globe on the top of the of the Daily Planet building just falls, which <laughs> they couldn't have thought to put a lightning rod up there. Anything? So he turns that into a balloon. Uh, he turned. I thought this one was interesting. He turns an iceberg into iron, and I'm like, "What is that? That's just going to make it worse." But no, it actually sinks the iceberg, so the ship can get by it, which is a pretty clever idea, assuming the water's not too shallow. 
because uh, then it would not sink very far and kind of problem. Turns lava to snow. Anyway, a whole bunch more. So lots of transmutation in this one. Uh, in fact, I'll mention it here. There's actually some discussion online about how Firestorm in this story is uh, in all this season is spotlighted so much. They actually, uh, some people call him a Mary Stew, which is the male version of a Mary Sue. Uh, and, and the more I think about it, I mean, he does really diffuse a lot of situations because his powers are wish fulfillment anyway. I don't know. Would you agree with that thought? I know I'm putting you on the spot there. No, I think that I think that's a little much. I mean, he has a he has an amazing power set, but that's but I thought that was the gist of it is that he he's one of the most powerful superheroes out there, but he's inexperienced, and that's why he's that's why he's always sort of getting defeated by you know werewolves or guys with ropes. I mean, you know, <laughs> that's the angle to it. That's fair. That's fair. I, I like that. <laughs> Guys with rope. Oh. He can climb anything. That's his, that's his power. Anyway, um, <laughs> stupid movie. So then I love that Firestorm gets recognition. Wonder Woman's like, he's on the cover of every major magazine. <laughs> that's great. I love that. I'm Guns and ammo. On, I was thinking he's on, like, you know, like, uh, good housekeeping. You know, yeah. either baking cookies or something. <laughs> Harper's Bazaar. Um, Cosmopolitan, then, 10 secret sex tips with Firestorm. Exactly. Exactly. There's too many jokes to be made about. Uh, Professor Stein being inside of Ronnie Raymond. But then there is Batman scans one of the photos. You know, I guess he's got an early scanner. <laughs> this is an amazing the... computer they have. I know. He, he takes one of the photos in the computer and he goes, by studying this image, I'm able to tell Firestorm is two people in one. That, and we can... can analyze his genetic code from a photograph. That exactly. is a very sophisticated piece of hardware. Which make, What makes that part of my favorite thing in the whole episode is while he's uh, shouting out or while he's you know, blathering out all this techno babble, Adam West runs out of breath in the middle of it. He's like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> It's just like clearly he did not know where that line was going to go. He just and they went with it. I love it. Come on, Batman. Now, what are you out of shape? What's going on? <laughs> now at this point, we find out Firestorm's secret origin, uh, and it's, it's actually pretty good. They they did change a few things from the comics. Not much though. Uh, at this point, he's attending Fairmont University, which uh, at this point, I guess in 1984, he was still in high school, wasn't he? I, I would have been going to Bradley High School, I think, at that point. Because we, I'm, you, you're asking me. I don't know. I should know this, shouldn't I? Yes, you should. Uh, he's either, okay, he's either about to start Vandermeer. It doesn't matter. Either way, he's going to Fairmont <laughs> University in the cartoon here. And apparently, while Ronnie was in high school, he met Professor Martin Stein on the campus of Fairmont University. And Ronnie would help Professor Stein on many occasions. And then one night, during uh, an accidental explosion from this molecular fusion experiment, it fused Ronnie and the professor together into being Firestorm the Nuclear Man. Now, insert whatever joke you want to make about this high school boy helping a professor late at night on campus. I don't know. Uh, but uh, So that's the origin. So apparently it was an accident in his lab rather than being the, the whole thing with the bomb and explosions and everything. Uh, I like the way they introduced Professor Stein. I was paying att close attention to that. The first time we see it, Firestorm, is, he, he's shown up and he's helped Superman and Black Vulcan and Wonder Woman after he says bye to Wonder Woman, he's flying away and he starts talking to himself. He's like, boy, Wonder Woman's hot! And <laughs> Professor Stein, he does. And, one, and Professor Stein's astral face appears and they have a conversation, which is pretty cool. You start to get a sense for like, whoa, this is different. Firestorm has this ghostly face he's talking to. Almost like a serpent. Oh, well played, sir. 
<laughs> then later they take us to Fairmont University where you see Ronnie roller skate in with a jam box, which is just hysterical because he either it's bad animation or he can't skate. I think he can't skate because everyone's yelling, hey, whoa, hey, whoa. And he goes in and he's talking to the professor and it really felt faithful to the comic because Ronnie's like, hey, I got to be on my test. And Stein's like, a B plus would have been better, Ronald. And it's just like, yes, that's that's totally them. And uh, there's an emergency and of course they merge, which is fun. So what do you think of the merging sequence, the animation? Oh, I dig it. I like that when you see their two bodies, like it's done, they're painted. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're not animated cells. It's actually just paintings. Uh, I think that's a, it's really sharp. It's very distinctive looking. And, you know, boy, the fidelity to the comic book is pretty amazing. I mean, Hanna-Barbera never really worried about that, but this is, this is exactly the comic book done as a cartoon. So again, it's, this is the most, uh, like, you couldn't ask for a Jerry Conway and Al Milgram (laughs) could not ask for a, better highlight of their creation than this. I mean, this is just serving this up on a silver platter to millions of American children. You know, I've often wondered what drove this. I mean, obviously they wanted to shake up the Super Friends cartoon and and bring it in line with the superpower stuff, but there's so many other characters they could have used. Now, you and I have read... and heard, in fact, from I think it was Dan Jurgens who told us that the early numbers on Firestorm, Fury of Firestorm, were outrageous, huge sellers in the direct market. Yeah, um, enormous, enormous sellers. So let's say if this came out in September '84, it was probably in production maybe as late as late '83, maybe. Could be. So, so in the Fury of Firestorm book came out in '82, late '82. So I guess they're you know that's probably about the time the book was at its height. Because I, I would say by September 84, it probably started to slip a little, actually. So I would say during development, they were probably going, okay, this is a huge seller for us. This is a rising star. Uh, and, and maybe that's the direction they went. Now, about the same time, weren't they developing a Teen Titans cartoon? I think so. Well, Hino Rivera had a lot of properties uh, go per- percolating. There was an Amethyst one they were talking about. So oh, yeah, yeah, none yeah. of it ever really came to pass. Teen Titans would have been amazing, but uh... – well, there's a scene out there on the internet you can find. Of oh, that's the, right. That's right. Yeah, it's, right. it's in the Super Friends style. I want to say Cyborg's with them, and I think it's the Protector rather than Robin, if I'm remembering right. But it's like one little scene, and they're standing in a park, and they're talking about something. I think it was used for a drug comic uh, when the drug PSA stuff was going around. Yeah, I think I even used the audio for that for an episode at some point way back. <laughs> okay. It's hard to remember now. We've done so many shows. Probably the episode where we talked about this episode of, uh, <laughs> of <laughs> Quite possibly. <laughs> uh, let's see what else. Um, as far as Firestorm's look, it's it's sort of interesting. Firestorm's hair is funny in this. Like when I was a kid, it really bothered me. Now it doesn't bother me at all. But it looks like his... the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. It's the torch of the Statue of Liberty. That's a good description because it's static. The fire's not moving in his head. It's like a sculpted piece of plastic shaped in the shape of fl- a fire. It looks very, very plastic. It does look like the Statue of Liberty's torch. Now next season, they will try and make it look – I don't know, like a halfway step between fire and a halfway step between wavy hair. I think they were still a little nervous about the fire thing. But it's interesting that you hear a crackling fire noise whenever he flies. No other time. Not when he walks, not when he's standing there and his hair is moving, you know, standing there. But he's only when he flies, you hear the crackling noise, which is interesting. I also find it interesting that Firestorm flies almost all the time. Like when they're running through Darkseid's palace, Superman and everyone else are walking. Firestorm's flying. I think it looks pretty cool. Now, I don't know whether it's because they had a cell of that already drawn and it was easier to use that <laughs> or whether uh, they just decided on that sort of move for him. I thought that was cool. Yeah, it's, it's sharp looking. I, again, it's, 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 it's right out of the comic. 
I mean, it really is. It probably would have been so much easier to have him walking because that is something that animators do called walk cycles, which is just like a, a sort of thing you can just kind of transpose any character on top of. But uh-huh. nevertheless, Firestorm's, again, unique. You know, right out of the comic, here's a question for you. So this this struck me. When Firestorm's inducted into the Super Friends, he does these flying loops in the air. And if I remember right, didn't he do that exact same thing when he got inducted in the JLA? He did. I Again, this is – I keep – this is a very short show, and I keep repeating myself. But I can't help it. The fidelity to the comic book origins is amazing because when he gets inducted into the Super Friends, Wonder Woman gives him a bunch of books to read. They're like, here, you need to bone up on everything that's going on. And that is literally what happens in the issue that he joins. Oh, because wow. Because in that issue, after he's super happy, they cut to this really boring lecture that Batman is giving about the satellite. <laughs> and he's got a, Batman has a pointer and practically a PowerPoint presentation and the whole thing. And Firestorm is sitting there going, <sighs> and he gets so bored that Martin Stein has to chime in and he's like, pay attention, you know, and stuff like that. And so, I mean, again, it's right out of the comic book, that same, because Firestorm is like, oh, well, I thought this was all going to be fun, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, I can't not talk about Darkseid's palace. So, only two guards. That's it. <laughs> They defeat two guards and they're in. No wonder the Hunger Dogs Rebellion was successful. <laughs> there are a lot of staffers, though, in Desaad's lab. We see a bunch of people in the background there. That's true. And we do see like a one guard flying by in like a, a cycle. But and it's interesting how once they get inside, the guards turn to robots so that when they knock them, the, the crap you know, out of them, that, that, you know, that they, they don't worry about people getting hurt. It's just robots. So, hmm. And then my last note really is just again I mentioned uh, the whole firestorm was was called a Mary Stew, and uh, he does do a lot of different things and he does he, he saves them from the mind probe because of his you know increased mental ability because he's got both fire Ronnie and Professor in his brain so he's able to overcome the mind probe. But really I started watching it though really at the end though even though he frees him from the mind probe it's Superman that stands there and, and st- stands up to Darkseid and takes just the full blunt of the Omega Beams, uh, which is pretty amazing. And Batman is the one who frees Wonder Woman. And then Wonder Woman's the one who g- gets him out of there by opening the Stargate, which I was like, okay, so Firestorm, he did an important piece, but really they made sure that this was still a team effort and the main heroes got their moment. Right, right. Well, you don't make everybody look like a bunch of simps, you know? <laughs> I mean, geez. Well, they did throughout a lot of the episode. A lot of the episode, Firestorm really was kind of saving the day a little too much. It was a little real silly. But uh, you mentioned the animation. So to me, like I, I wish I knew who drew the animation uh, design for Firestorm. It's very, very close to his actual costume. I mean, it's it's darn near identical to what Al Milgram put together for the costume. It's very impressive. I, I'd be curious to know who drew it because you know the original Super Friends uh, art was all designed by Alex Toth, right? Of course, yes. Yeah. And as you said, the animation is starting to slide differently. And next season, do you know who the animation is based on next season? Oh, JLGL. Praise be his name. Praise be his name, yeah. That's exactly right. So, I mean, how cool is that? JLGL PBH. Is the style. I mean, Wonder Woman looks gorgeous in that one. In this one, it almost seems like Wonder Woman's a half step between the Alex Toth Wonder Woman and where they're going to go next season. So, I I love the, the direction they're going in. Like I said, everybody's a little more muscular, uh, mm-hmm. a little beefier, but at the same time a little cartoonier, if that's even really possible. Um, there's a there's a bit more facial reactions going on. I love it when Darkseid first shows up, and you, you get this one brief shot of Superman looking worried. He's like, <gasps> and then it, when Wonder Woman shows up, she's not scared at all. I love that little detail where she's like, who the hell are you, basically? <laughs> she doesn't say that. But she, does, she has that tone. Superman looks worried, but Wonder Woman does not. And we, of course, established that Superman has heard of Darkseid. 
Right. Which is interesting. He's sort of been percolating in the background of the Super Friends, uh, you know, animated canon. <laughs> well, that's all my notes, other than I love this thing, and it really put me on a course that has led me here to this sad existence of hanging out with Rob every week. I guess I have the show to blame for my life as well. <laughs> So it's absolutely fun. You got to check it out, and I I think it'd be fun to talk about some more episodes later on. Uh, I've looked back. It it looks like we talked about some Galactic Guardians episodes. Yes, we did. We did. Which you know what we should do? Uh, We should do that uh, Batman, um, the Batman uh, Scarecrow episode. Oh right, which is sort of the early pilot for the not the pilot, but the early sort of test for Batman the animated series in terms of modeling and stuff like that. Yeah, I do have a couple things I wanted to mention in this episode. I love when Wonder Woman first meets Firestorm and she goes, Thunderbolts of Job! Which is, I feel like that's her like road testing her phrases. You know, it's like, does that, great great guardians, you know, whatever, and it's like, uh, that one doesn't work. Thunderbolts of Job. Um, Hold on, I want to mention that same scene when Firestorm introduces himself. I love this. He's telling Wonder Woman, she's like, who are you? He's like, I'm Firestorm. Isn't that a cool name? I made it up myself. <laughs> She's like, yeah, not bad. It's just like, oh, Ronnie. Oh, poor Ronnie. <laughs> Keep trying, buddy. I've been there, been there, pal. Um, okay. I have to figure that by incorporating Darkseid and Apocalypse that the show was getting to use a little like He-Man type stuff, which was very oh, popular at the time. I mean, because, I mean, Apocalypse, especially the way it is rendered here, is very much Eternia. It just has that look where everything is sort of castles, but also sort of spacey and futuristic, mm. but kind of old time. So I'm sure that helped. You know, I'm, I mean, at this point, Super Friends had been on the air for 10 years, which is extraordinary. I mean, not not every single year, but had been in one form or another for a decade. That's an extraordinary run for an animated series. Most animated shows don't run that long. So they were maybe, maybe worried that Super Friends was getting a little little old hat. And He-Man was kind of the new kid on the block and was yeah. hot, and that t- those toys were flying off the shelves. So they were probably trying to get a little like, hey, kids, you know, hey, this is cool. We'll throw in some, some He-Man stuff. I like Well, that, that and the reoccurring villain every week, the same villain right, over and over. Exactly. Yeah, right, exactly. All yeah. that formula, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I like the one detail when Firestorm is phasing and he drops in upside down. And he just mm. his head comes in from the ceiling. I just think that's a nice little detail. It's a very kind of Spider-Man kid-like kind of thing. I thought that was a nice detail. I'm very upset at the chained up dog that the sod has uh, in his lab. That's just very upsetting to me. And then they, they beep it with the thing and it gets scared of the cat. But nevertheless, I feel bad for that poor dog. He's all chained down by these bunch of dicks. Um, well, start by feeling bad for the dog for being on Apocalypse to start there's with. There's that too, then, yeah. Then go. This. Yeah. Um, I love the robot designs. Uh, the okay. robot guards. I think those guys are really cool looking. I did notice <laughs> that when they, when they go find Wonder Woman in her cell... Yeah. She, she has a glass of water on the table. I kind of liked that they gave her a glass of water. The dark side's like, you know, I'm not a monster. I can give her some, give her some bread and water. I mean, geez. Um, well, that, at that point, she was his bride. Remember, she was mentally controlled. Well, that's so. right. That's right. He's, he's and you brought up an interesting thing. I wasn't going to bother to mention it, but that's one thing that ends up on all the trivia sites about this episode is there's actually a, an animation mistake with that glass. It it's there and then it moves and then it goes right back. Like the animation has a hiccup in that scene. And I noticed it every time I watched it, I'm like, what the hell just happened? And then I was reading those sites. I'm like, Oh, okay. I didn't imagine that. 
Okay. I noticed Batman uses the magic lasso, which is like I didn't know he, I didn't I didn't I didn't know that he could do that. I didn't know that the magic lasso worked that way. I thought and you know, I mean yeah, yes, a man can physically pick it up and probably throw it on you, but it's not going to do anything. Like it doesn't I always figured it doesn't have any magical properties if it's wielded by anyone other than an Amazon or Wonder Woman. That's fair though. I mean, he does wrap Wonder Woman in it though. Yes, he does. So well, that's true. maybe if you try to wrap somebody else it wouldn't have worked. <laughs> maybe so. And then I do like the detail where they and it's kind of a weird thing. It's almost just to slow the show down a second like I feel like they had an extra 10 seconds but the, when they, they have the, the force field and Wonder yeah. Woman's like it's a force field and I can't penetrate it and Superman's basically like I can and he just walks right through it and grabs Wonder right. Woman like it doesn't slow him down at all it's just a momentary like he's just like oh I can handle this because I'm Superman of course like oh okay alright that's fine well I mentioned it in my recap that's one of the things that gets under my skin is he then takes Wonder Woman puts him under puts her under his cape because it's a freaking Bronze Age Superman costume can block anything I, just, I hate that crap <laughs> and he like walks through the force field because she's under his cape and then she fixes her hair when she comes out she's like poofing it back up <laughs> I, well, I guess what I like about it is that most of these cartoons of course have to depower Superman I mean uh, mm-hmm. Chris and Cindy are constantly referring over on the jail you cast about yep. how Superman is being taken up by bolts of lightning exactly uh, because you know they, they, they can't make him too powerful but I just like the idea that everybody here is stymied by the force field and Superman's just like no I can handle it I'm fine good <laughs> I like that it was great well then he stands up to Darkseid which is that's actually a pretty cool moment Darkseid just Blasting him away, and Superman's like, you know, it's like, wow. For those of us who understand the power of Darkseid, it's like, that's pretty impressive. It is. It's pretty good stuff. And then the one last thing I wanted to mention is, did you notice in the credits uh, who worked on the character designs? There's a comic book. Geoff Darrow from Hard Boiled. No way. Yes, he's credited as one of the Super Friends character designs. So, obviously, beginning of his career. The artwork would be so much more detailed. Imagine that, that, yeah. (laughs) Like, so many minute little tiny drawings and bits and pieces and every piece of machinery. You can see every screw and bolt. And (laughs) You guys, can we have 90 characters in the background all doing something? No, we can't do that, Jeff. We have to get the show done on $30,000 and it has to be done by next week. If you guys have never seen Jeff Darrow's work, Google it. It's amazing. Amazing the detail stuff. It's yes. in the stuff. Ugh. Yeah, yeah. Well, folks, I want to know your thoughts on this episode. I want to know what you loved about this episode, what you maybe didn't love about this episode. I want to know about your experiences with finding Firestorm through the Super Friends, or tell us about other episodes of the Super Friends that you love. Go out to our website. What's that site, Rob? Fireandwaterpodcast.com. Yep. Go up to shows, go to the Aquaman and Firestorm podcast, look for this episode, and leave it in the comments. We want to hear from you guys, because I want to do more of these. And without your feedback on the episode, Rob's not going to let me. He's going to like, Shang, I've analyzed the feedback, and there's only 4.2% response rate. It's not worth it. Ah, like, Rob, quit being a statistics zombie. We need to do this. That is, that is spot on, my friend. I tell you, it's it's my waking nightmare. So, anyway, go to the website. You can also find us on social media. You can find Rob's Aquaman Shrine and every other Twitter handle. You can find me as Firestorm Fan or both of us as FW Podcasts. On Facebook, of course, you can find the Fire and Water Podcast Network, and you can find Firestorm Fan. And um, like, you know, let us hear from you. We want to hear from you. We want to interact with you guys. So, uh, anything else I'm forgetting, Rob? Before we get going, I don't think so. I would love to hear in the comments what everybody's favorite iteration of the show was because this thing kept changing every couple of years. You know, there was the original Super Friends with Wendy and Marvin, and then there was the Challenge of the Super Friends, and there was the All New Super Friends Hour. There was the, you know, I mean, like, and then there was this version, and there was Galactic Guardians. I mean, everyone has, I think, has their own favorite version. I'd love to know what other people thought. I mean, it all probably all depends on when you first saw it. But I, right. I would love to hear that. 
Like for me, I came after the Wendy and Marvin, Marvin era, and I didn't even see any Wendy and Marvin era episodes until I was late into college when they were running it on what USA Network or whatever. So for me, like you know, my my peak is uh, when I first when I really my love really started is like the era. I don't even remember what the episode is, but they're like in a Middle Earth kind of thing where everyone's turned into like little trolls and they're digging underground. <laughs> do you remember this one? I I vaguely remember that one. Okay, yes. <laughs> that's kind of the era that I love. So. Anyway, and you know, I forgot to mention it at the top of the show, but I'll say it again here, folks. Rob and I are making an appearance at the Boston Fan Expo in August. Uh, please, if you are considering going, let us know. We want to catch up. We've already heard from a few people that are going to be going to the Boston Fan Expo. We want to hear from you, rest of you. And if you're looking for a convention this, to, do, to do this year, it might be a fun one. We're going to have some good times, I think. So we're going to plan some off-site excursions, go explore Boston, and also do the stuff at the con. I'm looking very forward to it. I am too. I cannot wait to share a smelly hotel room with Rob once again. It's going to be so much fun. Okay. <laughs> I'm just going to let that dangle in the air there. Yeah. <laughs> That's how we end the show, folks. I'll think so, of something clever later and edit it in. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. <laughs> All right, folks. Uh, until next time, fan the flame. And ride the wave. And burn in the fire pits of apocalypse. Thank you, Mr. Welker. <laughs> that signal means the super friends are returning. I'll shut down the force field and let them in. <laughs> you guys sure know how to make an entrance. If Firestorm hadn't blasted that mind probe, we might never have returned. Thank you for coming to our rescue. Oh, gee, I, I was the least I could do, Wonder Woman. But how in the name of Krypton were you able to break free from the mind probe when no one else could? Well, <laughs> you know what they say, two heads are better than one. so he can travel. Doc? Uh, just take it easy, O'Malley. We're working on it. How about a couple of crutches? Not for a couple of months. No, no, I mean you could set it on either side and use it sort of as a splint, then tie the ends together, use it as a fulcrum, and then adjust the tension. Yeah. That should work. Sort of like a Thomas splint. You're really something, O'Malley. Is there anything you don't know? Yeah. How to duck.